the name of Israel wiped from China's top digital maps, while names of neighboring countries remain intact. What could the discovery mean as war intensifies between Israel and Hamas terrorists? China's foreign minister hints an upcoming U.S. meeting might not be smooth sailing, as potential talks between President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping are expected next month. At the same time, Beijing is greeting U.S. veterans with open arms, praising their efforts aiding China during World War II. And a Canadian movie facing a blockade in South Korea. Why would a foreign film festival catch Beijing's eye? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In the midst of the Israel-Hamas war, Israel's name appears to be missing from leading Chinese maps. NTD verified the reports as of Tuesday. Platforms like Baidu, a leading Chinese search engine, and Alibaba service China's equivalent to Google Maps. On Baidu Maps, countries that neighbor the Jewish state are clearly labeled. But when you zoom in on Israel, only its border and major city names are displayed. It's unclear if this change is new. But Beijing has taken aim at foreign platforms in the past, whose maps did not acknowledge China's territorial claims. The Wall Street Journal first reported the story. In response, China's foreign ministry on Tuesday said it has normal diplomatic relations with Israel. A spokesperson said the country is clearly labeled on the standard maps issued by the Chinese authorities. The statement appears to contradict reports. China has yet to condemn Hamas since the war broke out. The country's foreign minister Wang Yi also accused Israel's response of going beyond self-defense. Israel said it's deeply disappointed over China's failure to condemn Hamas. Beijing has proposed a two-state solution to the conflict. It would involve the creation of an independent state for Palestinians and for Israel. And uh, Israel will never agree to that. However, by attempting to make that agreement, it makes China look like the good guys. China is able to say, look, we proposed this peaceful solution and Israel rejected it. Therefore, Israel is the bad guy. Hamas, the terrorist group controlling Gaza, has rejected the idea and has vowed to wipe out Israel. Chinese tech giants Alibaba and Baidu refused comment to a Wall Street Journal inquiry about the reports. President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping may soon meet face to face. But according to Beijing's top diplomat Wang Yi, it may not be smooth sailing. He sent out the signal Sunday amid his three-day visit to Washington. China's foreign ministry detailed one of his goals during the trip, to lay the groundwork for the leader's potential meeting next month. The relationship between the two superpowers has reached a historical low, and the ties just crumbled further after the White House sanctioned cutting-edge microchip assets scheduled to get shipped to China this month. Beijing responded with new export controls on certain critical materials. In the shadow of the wars in the Middle East and Eastern Europe, the U.S.-China Presidential Summit is expected to take place during an Asia-Pacific Leaders Forum in San Francisco in mid-November. U.S. officials say Beijing may not confirm Xi's attendance until shortly before the event. U.S. veterans honored by China for the first time. Two senior veterans flew to Beijing Monday and met with China's second-in-command. They helped China fight against Japan's invasion during World War II. And I, I think that's something that we should all understand. People are the same. Their governments may be different, but the people actually always have one desire 
and that is to live and to raise their families in peace. The Flying Tigers is a group of U.S. military pilots that operated from 1941 to 1942. It fought for the China side during Japan's invasion. Two former members of the group, Mel McMullen and Harry Moyer, spoke at a ceremony hosted at the U.S. Embassy in Beijing. The visit comes after a letter from Chinese leader Xi Jinping last month. In it, Beijing reached out to U.S. veterans and their families. Now more than 500 of them have visited the country. That's despite relations between Beijing and Washington having dropped to a historic low. The U.S. ambassador to China says the Biden administration doesn't see divorce with Beijing as an option, even in light of issues over security, technology and human rights between the two. We're at a difficult moment in the U.S.-China relationship. We are in many ways rivals, but the two peoples of the countries have always been together. Some see the exchange as an attempt to mend their deteriorated ties ahead of a possible meeting between their top leaders next month. Worth noting, China and Russia indirectly criticized Washington and its military presence in other countries Monday during an international defense forum in Beijing. A Hong Kong court acquitted U.S. State Senator Jeff Wilson. He had been charged with illegally possessing a firearm in the Chinese-ruled city. But he's been let off with a catch that he doesn't commit any other crime within the next two years. Here are the details. A U.S. politician was acquitted by a Hong Kong court on Monday of illegally possessing a firearm. Washington State Senator Jeff Wilson was arrested on October 21st after he arrived at the Hong Kong airport with a pistol in his carry-on luggage. In his acquittal, the magistrate fined Wilson $256 and gave him a two-year good behavior order, saying the court was inclined to believe that the Republican did not deliberately break the law. In a statement on his website, Wilson called it an honest mistake. He said he only discovered the gun in his briefcase mid-flight from San Francisco and that airport security in Portland had failed to detect it. By carrying a firearm without a license, Wilson could have faced a fine of up to $12,800 and a maximum of 14 years in prison. Canada is banning two popular apps from government devices, Chinese-owned WeChat and Russian-owned Kapersky Antivirus. That's after Ottawa banned TikTok from official devices for security reasons earlier this year. Here's more. China firmly opposes this. China rejected Canada's ban on WeChat Tuesday, calling it unjustified suppression of the company. Canadian officials say the move keeps government networks and data secure and protected, matching the approach of international partners. The country's Treasury Board says it has no evidence of government information being compromised, only that the app's collection methods give considerable access to a device's contents. Kapersky said it was surprised and disappointed by the move and that it wasn't given the chance to address concerns. The Russian firm says no evidence or due process was provided to justify the action. The company claims it was done in response to the geopolitical climate instead of an evaluation of its integrity. Still, the two apps are now blocked for downloads on all Canadian government-issued devices. Canada banned China-owned TikTok in February over similar concerns. An attempt to disturb freedom of speech happening within the borders of a close American ally. A Canadian movie that won nearly 30 awards globally is facing a blockade in South Korea. 
And a South Korean film festival committee says the pressure is coming from communist China. Watch. Ku Xiaobei had high expectations for the movie Silver Screen Dreams after his company submitted the film to the Busan International Film Festival. After our submission, we swiftly received positive feedback from the organizers, indicating there was a strong chance we'd receive an award for the film's excellence. Gu is an actor and also in charge of contacting the film festival on behalf of the company, New Century Films. Just a month ahead of the festival, he got a surprising phone call from his organizers. They told him the film Silver Screen Dreams wouldn't be shown at the event. He said the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs had intervened, and I was surprised. The South Korean person mentioned Hua Chun, and when I asked if it was Hua Chun Ying, he confirmed, expressing disbelief that a foreign ministry official got involved. Hua Chunying is the head of Beijing's press department and assistant minister of the Chinese Foreign Affairs Ministry. Why would she interrupt a foreign film showing outside of China? The film Silver Screen Dreams features several scenes showing Falun Dafa, also known as Falun Gong. Practitioners of the meditation practice have been heavily persecuted by the Chinese Communist Party since 1999. The pressure on the film isn't an isolated case. New Century Films told media that their display tours are also facing challenges in Canada and Malaysia. A Malaysian official told New Century Films that playing the movie in the country would affect the country's relationship with China. In response to the interference from Beijing, the producer of the Silver Screen Dream, Grace Wei, said the Chinese Communist Party fears people learning about the three principles of Falun Gong, truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. She added that awareness must be raised about Beijing's actions. Next, a few quick updates on China's economy. The country's manufacturing activity unexpectedly dropped in October, and it's putting a dent in China's economic recovery. Data from China's National Bureau of Statistics show that manufacturing is shrinking in the country. The figures also reveal that the situation has gotten worse than even the most pessimistic predictions from analysts. As China's economy falters, it seems more Chinese are making the journey to the U.S. border to seek asylum, marking a major influx of Chinese migration to the United States. Chinese asylum seekers say they're looking to escape an increasingly repressive political climate and bleak economic prospects. Zooming in on Beijing, Chinese leader Xi Jinping is set to further tighten control of the financial industry. Xi will host the Financial Work Conference on Monday and Tuesday in Beijing. The event will be held behind closed doors and only happens twice a decade. Analysts say financial stability will be a top priority for debate. This comes against a backdrop of record low margins for the banking industry, a debt-laden property sector, and a faltering economy. And turbulence at one of China's large copper companies, Amer International Group. According to a Bloomberg report, more than a dozen employees have resigned from Amer's trading affiliates. The mass departure is mainly due to challenging market conditions. Many entities have stepped back from the Chinese metals trade in the past year amid low margins. A new move from China is tightening internet scrutiny. A series of the country's most popular social media platforms, including Chinese versions of TikTok and Twitter, and the country's top search engine shared an announcement on Tuesday. So-called self-media users with over half a million followers will soon have to publicly display their real names. A China expert told NTD that the Chinese Communist Party is using the new rule to clamp down on certain online content, mainly complaints about injustices inside China. 
after this new rule is imposed, few are likely to engage in such activities anymore, because they would essentially be making themselves potential targets for retaliation. Everyone would know their real names, where they live, and who they are. TikTok's equivalent in China, called Douyin, noted that only names would be shared publicly without additional personal information, and that only verified users will be able to see the information. But the thought still isn't a comforting one for many. A new rule will affect thousands of Chinese internet influencers, removing their anonymity with possible impacts on their safety and personal lives. One group may face particularly high risks, those that share news not covered by Chinese state-owned media. Several Chinese social media companies have already announced that any users that fail to comply with the new rule will face consequences affecting their online traffic and income. Singapore is calling on China to take the lead in reducing tensions in Asia and to help prevent devastating military conflicts like those in Ukraine and the Middle East. Speaking at a defense forum in China, Singapore's defense minister urged China to resume military communication with the U.S. He also mentioned disputes in the South China Sea and the nuclear threat from North Korea, calling for more engagement to reduce risks. China must continue to promote multilateralism and uphold the rule of law. That is China's greatest assurance to other nations, big or small, that China's growth is inclusive and will lift all boats. That as China grows economically and militarily, it does not seek to supplant or replace others based on its own national interests. The three-day forum was attended by military representatives from dozens of countries, including the U.S. and Russia. The forum is usually chaired by China's defense minister, but this year, former defense minister Li Sanfu was removed just days before the meeting. Coming up, a communism survivor spelling out parallels between China's cultural revolution and today's America. What similarities are sparking her concerns? We hear from Xi Van Fleet, author of Mao's America, a survivor's warning after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A warning to America from a survivor of communist Chinese rule under Mao Zedong. She says history is repeating itself in America. What costs could follow if the trend goes unchecked? We spoke with Xi Van Fleet, author of Mao's America, a survivor's warning for more. Xi Van Fleet, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, com- for inviting me back. To begin, your book is titled Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. Tell us about what your warning is and why you feel it's so important to share it now. Yes, the warning is we are in the midst of a Marxist revolution. The war has raged on America and many people still don't recognize it. People like me who lived through communism, especially those who live through the Cultural Revolution, we see it right away. We recognize all the signs and we know it's the same thing. And uh, the uh, Cultural Revolution in China was launched by Mao to do two things. One is to get absolute power for himself. Another is fundamentally transform China in his own image. And we see the same thing happening here. 
it is about those elite or globalist try to uh, get absolute power in the process. They want to trans fundamentally transform America, get rid of uh, the funding principles that made this country great. And on that last part, what are some of the key principles and values that make America unique in your view and are worth preserving? Yeah, first of all, this is the only country that's founded on the belief that we were created by our creator and that's where we get our rights. And this is something that took me a long time to grasp. Growing up in China, I always believed that our rights were given to us by the government. And so that is a fundamentally a different uh, way of understanding who we get our rights from. And America is unique in the history of, uh, of, uh, uh, of mankind. So because we have that right, and no one can take it away, not any government should be able to take away from us, especially in America. You know, we are protected by our constitution and our founding father was so wise. They also gave us the second amendment and those things are our ways to make sure no one can take away our rights. You survived Mao's cultural revolution, and you mentioned you're seeing some similarities here in America. If this trend continues unchecked, what do you see as the consequences for America? Yeah, the uh, the most obvious thing to, to me is the uh, uh, identity politics. That's exactly what Mao and the CCP uh, did to divide the Chinese population into two classes, the red class and the black class. And the people can probably figure out what it means. The red is good, black is bad. The black were the oppressors and then the red is oppressed and set them against each other. And that's exactly what happened uh, in America, that identity politics divide people, divide people into uh, different races, different uh, gender, sexuality, and they infinitely divide people and make them uh, enemies of each other. And that's what we see, the hatred. And then the kind of uh, uh, the hatred among, uh, between uh, different groups, and that is uh, exactly what happened during the Cultural Revolution. People were willing to kill the others just because they belong to the wrong class, the black class. Millions died as the result. And what's and your message to those who believe this could never happen in America? Yeah, this, there's a lot of people like that. They thought this is kind of thing only happened over there, but I'm bringing the reality to you. I lived through the Cultural Revolution and I'm living through it right now with millions of Americans. So I'm telling you, it is the same thing. And how do people fight back? The first thing is to understand. If you don't understand something, how can you fight back? So I hope my book will help people to see the parallels. That is the focus of my book, is to help people to see it is the same thing. They both are Marxist 
Cultural Revolution. They have the same goal, which is to destroy the society so a small group of people can have absolute power. And you mentioned how your book will help raise awareness of what's happening, but what else can Americans do if they are concerned about this? I think take action. And I think it will be a great success if people, after reading my book, understand the imminent threat of communism, Marxism ideology to the United States. I hope they will take action. I hope I will pull them out of the couch, behind the keyboard, and get into real action. And, uh, and there are many ways of doing it. And uh, I did talk a lot in my book. And right now in Virginia, where I live, we have the, uh, uh, the election going on. And get involved, like I just this morning, and I worked as a, a greeter for the uh, uh, early voting. And we need people. We need people. We don't have enough people doing that. Start local and support your candidate who share your value. And that's how you start. You don't start on the top. You start locally. And that's how we take back our country and take back our school. Xi Van Fleet, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.